Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the MR Running Pains podcast. This is episode 58 with um, physical therapist Miriam Saloum. Miriam has been um, a guest on this podcast multiple times as we've gone over a slew of different uh, injuries and uh, maladies of, of the lower extremities. Uh, we've been really trying to focus on uh, you know things that go on with the, uh, the runner's body and, and kind of give you guys some tips and resources that can help you if you run into these. So um, if you want to go back through previous episodes in the show notes, I've, I've listed Miriam's episodes and what we focused on. Today we are focusing on the iliotibial band, the IT band, uh, which can cause a lot of of pain uh, for you know <laughs> for multiple reasons, and we go over those reasons and and uh, how you can help resolve it um, and things that might help. So um, I appreciate Miriam coming on here and sharing her knowledge. As always, she is a fantastic resource. You can uh, find out more about Miriam on therunnersmechanic.com, dot com, uh, which again I'll put in the show notes. So thanks again, Miriam, and here she is. <music> I have with me today Miriam Saloum of the Runner's Mechanic, my resident physical therapist and multi-time guest. Uh, today, as I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about the uh, iliotibial band or the IT. So, But let's start with uh, letting Miriam introduce herself. Oh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, yes. Um, my name is Miriam Saloum. I'm a physical therapist in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, I specialize in the biome- biomechanical analysis of runners and injury related to running. Um, and I own a clinic called the Runner's Mechanic. <laughs> uh, yes. And she has helped many of uh, my athletes, including myself. So uh, if, you, uh, if you are in need of any type of uh, assessment, like Miriam said, she does a fantastic job at what she does. And um, as Miriam mentioned, we are recording here on March 17th, St. Patty's Day. I am in my green. Um, it, it's a little dark. I can't tell if Miriam is. <laughs> I have my one green shirt on, but yeah, I'm in my, I'm in my storage closet. So <laughs> it's yeah, a little dim. My, uh, my, my Black Mountain Marathon and uh, uh-huh. Mount Mitchell Challenge um, <laughs> zip up. It's, it's the only Kelly green thing I had. Um, but um, <laughs> anyway, um, So, like I said, today we're going to be talking about the uh, IT band, the iliotibial band. Um, And if we can start just simply, where is this located? Yeah, so the IT band or the iliotibial band is a very large fascial structure. Um, I'm a a pretty visual learner, and when I work with clients, I like to help them visualize exactly what structures we're talking about. So if you're listening, you can just take the palm of your hand and actually extend your fingers and start at the the top of your hip and kind of work it to the back of the hip a little bit. Um, The glute max is one of the primary muscles. This is a large glute extender, large hip extender, and part of a little muscle called the TFL which is in the front, um, a small hip flexor. Um, These merge together and the IT band is almost like a large tendon of these muscles. So it starts up in the hip and it runs all the way down to the lateral knee. Um, It has several slips. If you take your hand now and run it down your thigh to the outside and you're on the outside of your knee now, it actually has several slips that go both forward into the patellofemoral joint towards the kneecap down under the kneecap and then also down into the lower leg and inserts onto the tibia. Um, so it has just massive um, uh, attachments throughout the the leg. It's a very large structure. Absolutely. Um, and and Miriam and I have talked um, uh, through various injuries and, and parts of the bodies in previous episodes. I'll, I'll put those in the show notes. But you mentioned it's um, made of fascia. Um, can you kind of talk about fascia, what it is, and um, you know uh, what uh, what function the uh, IT band serves? Yeah. So, you know, the IT band is really interesting because it's it's so strong. And I think the best way to think of it um, is one like a, a tendon, a very large tendon for the glute and hip muscles. Um, it has pain receptors. It has a very tight weave of collagen. Um, and it, then it also has very intimate attachments to the knee and lower leg. Um, its main uh, purpose is to add stability to the, the knee um, and also to the hip. 
Um, and it also pro, uh, transfers force as we rotate and, and land onto the leg. So as we will get into uh, the discussion later, but when the IT band can be problematic, it really helps with attenuating forces as we land on the leg we're coming down on between zero and 30 degrees. And that's when it transfers a lot of strain and tension. Um, so it, it's it's a you know it's a it's a great structure that we have. It gives us a lot of stability, but when some things go awry, it can also cause a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. well, let's just talk about that pain. Um, where can it uh, and, and usually where does it manifest? Yeah, so you can have uh, various um, types of pain and injury um, with IT band starting up in top of the hip. So sometimes people will experience um, a, a pain up in the very top, almost like a glute tendinopathy. Okay, and that's more where the muscle is having its issues. But as it goes down, as IT band goes down over what's called the greater trochanter. So if you run your hand down the side of your hip, you'll feel this kind of bony knob or prominence. That's called the greater trochanter of the femur. Um, that's where sometimes we can get trochanteric bursitis. I think that's a really common <laughs> that you'll hear once in a while. Um, also, as the IT band comes down, and if you run your hand down the thigh to the outside of the knee, um, you also have what's called the lateral femoral condyle. Um, that's another place that it can have some compression. And then, as I, I uh, mentioned earlier, it has these large attachments that go into the actual patellofemoral joint, the joint between the kneecap and the knee. Um, we also can get a lot of compression there and also down into the lower leg. Um, so lateral hip pain, lateral knee pain. And a lot of times I'll have people that have pain that radiates down the side of the, um, the lower leg, the tibia. Um, sometimes it almost feels like an ache and can be uh, misinterpreted as a nerve pain. Obviously, there's some things that are nerve pain, but the IT band can almost cause a lateral distribution of, of um, leg discomfort. Uh, so it can it can manifest in several different ways, um, but in runners primarily, I think the 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 one symptom that really does stop them a lot of times is the lateral knee pain that it can exhibit. Um, you had mentioned that you know compression can can cause this pain compression on the IT. Can you um, expound on that just a bit? Um, when we say compression, what's what's really going on that's really you know kind of causing that pain? Yeah, so the big the big myth buster, I think that's always um, important to um, to really get across is the IT band isn't tight. Um, I think uh, you know years ago we always talked about IT band tightness. You had to stretch it more and and do all this stuff to the IT band, um, and that's not exactly accurate. The IT band um, again is a extension of the glute muscles and the TFL. Um, when there's either excessive rotation or strain at the hip, it'll also extend that strain down through the IT band. And really, it, over the years, they found that it's actually the sensitization of the adipose tissue, the thin layer of fat that's caught between the IT band and the um, underlying structures. Was, we mentioned, uh, especially with the knee, is the knee joint. Um, that compression can cause a lot of irritation. Um, it's almost like an impingement syndrome. Um, and so when we start having that pain, it's not so much that someone has become tight. A lot of times they're either um, in their actual movement or in their actual running form, they're either getting fatigued or having way too much motion in the hip. So it's either rotating or dropping at a fast rate and it's causing the IT band to continue to press or impinge upon that, that fatty tissue between the IT band and the knee. Um, so that's, that's really where IT band pain and, and tightness is perceived from. Okay. Um, and, you know, obviously this, it can be extremely painful. Um, and, you know, um, if, if the pain is tolerable or manageable for a runner, um, and I want to stress that the form is not compromised when they run, is it okay? Or is it dangerous to try to run through this, this IT band pain? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and this is one of the things when I when I sit down with a client and they start describing their their symptoms, uh, if it's seeming to be more IT band, I kind I kind of get excited for them because um, the IT band, you know, just like we talked a little bit with patellofemoral pain, it's it's a large fascial structure. This is mainly soft tissue. 
Um, so it doesn't mean any intraarticular damage to the knee. The knee joint itself can be perfectly healthy. Um, the the one thing is ITBM pain can be severely painful. So no matter you know what level of runner, it can really stop somebody in, in their tracks. Um, frequently we'll hear um, it feels like a knife going into the side of the knee when it gets bad. And then sometimes just the whole leg just locks up. There's an inability to actually uh, even have any turnover. So, um, you know, the good news is, yes, it doesn't mean any intraarticular knee damage uh, necessarily when you're having IT band pain. Um, it's fascial. It's something that can be corrected, but it also can be severely painful. Mm. Um. And so, you know, if, if a person is able to, to continue running, um, do you have any suggestions that, that might, um, you know, lessen or not make that pain occur so frequently, such as like, um, would you suggest that they run on uh, the flat, you know, try to not make as many climbs slash descents? Um, uh, is there a surface or is it just, you know, see what, see what presents the pain <laughs> and go from there. Yeah. Um, so there, there's kind of two scenarios. So a lot of times, um, when I have somebody come in, uh, that's been having it band pain and, and usually there's an episode that's kind of throwing them a little bit over the, the ledge a bit with their symptoms. A lot of time that's, that is, um, pretty strenuous downhill, um, running on tired legs, adding downhill or being on a cambered surface and cambered means that the surface um, is actually angled um, for a period of time. Um, these are things that can put excessive strain on the IT band, especially if the hip is fatigued or are feeling some weakness at the time. So those are usually the, the histories that we hear. Um, if you're actually running and your IT band is starting to um, give you problems. You just need to make it out of the run and get back to your car type thing. Um, you might want to walk the downhills. That's where we have a lot more strain um, is during the downhill descent. And the reason for that is because as a lot of runners know, when we run downhill, even though um, you don't feel like you have to, to work as hard, you're having to handle a lot more impact because the ground theoretically is falling away from you. And we're also landed on a much more extended knee. The IT band um, really has its highest strain rates um, between zero and 30 degrees of knee flexion. So um, with that, having to handle higher forces of impact, the downhill can, can really start to aggravate already lingering, lingering IT band symptoms. So walking the downhills, uh, trying to get on surfaces that aren't cambered or inclined if you have a choice. Um, the uphill sometimes doesn't really cause as much problem. It's a little bit of a different scenario. Um, obviously, if you're doing a tempo workout, um, slowing down a little bit, if you're having your IT band symptoms, um, just to, again, to get out of that run and, and trying not to flare it up. Um, the one thing is if you can just uh, address the symptoms early on, um, you really decrease the likelihood of having a highly inflamed tissue because the more inflammation you have, it takes a little bit more downtime or modification um, to quiet those symptoms. Um, so a lot of times it's, it's not worth wrecking your, your knee in one run if you can just, you know, get home and, and get, get it taken care of and, and then go back at it. Yes. Uh, real world situation. Um, your husband and I were running the uh, <laughs> marathon in February and uh, I felt great on the uphill. Um, you know, you know, the week before was the week I did my 50 miler. So I'm running on tired legs. Uh, it obviously felt great on the uphill and we started to descend and we were going pretty fast. I mean, we were going sub seven on the way down, but anybody that knows the, the toll road knows that it's rocks everywhere. So, yeah. you know, my, my, you know, my ankle and, and leg were kind of going all over the place on tired legs downhill. <laughs> and that's when my IT band went on fire and, you know, I, I said it hurts, but like, you know, I, if we slowed down, it, you know, the pain subsided a bit. And then, you know, especially if I took a walk break, if I just took a walk break, the, you know, the symptoms would dissipate. And then, you know, I went a little bit further, you know, we got back into like a slower jog and it's it still kind of, I could still feel it was there, but you know, it wasn't as bad. And then as soon as we started to increase pace any, or if it got rocky again and my foot started turning out, um, then yeah, it started really exacerbating the problem again. Um, but, you know, I, like you said, I just, I kept it in moderation so that I didn't really annoy it too much. And when we finished, you know, I took a few days after that off and made sure that I, you know, stretched out, let my legs recover. And then I didn't have any symptoms um, thereafter. I, it hasn't presented itself since because, you know, obviously I let myself uh, recover. I didn't get to the point where I had inflamed it too bad. So, 
all the things you uh, you say resonate really heavily <laughs> with with everything I just went through. Um, so yes, I, I I can definitely concur that the downhills will kill you. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Put yourself in that situation. You know, and that's a that's a really good point to just bring that up. And I, what I really enjoyed about your interview with um, Tori uh, when you, she was talking about with the training. Um, that you had her do for um, for Pitchell is because if you are, you know, when you're looking at an event, um, obviously you want to train for your event, but if it has a lot of downhill and you know you're going to want to be doing a lot of fast downhill, you definitely want to not only do that training. I liked how y'all talked about doing some downhill training, but it's a lot of eccentric work. So it's something that you really, um, especially in your strength program, you know, want to start integrating as an eccentric um, strength workout um, I have a little video on my YouTube that has just a downhill strength workout, but it's just attenuating forces. You know, how can you have really strengthen your glutes and your quads to, to soften impact? Um, but I highly recommend before anyone looks at a, a race that's primarily downhill, cause they're so attractive, right? You know, a race that's downhill and, you know, you just really, you know, look at your, your PRs then and, and things like that. And, um, you know, you just to keep your IT band and your knees healthy. Um, it's it's a really great idea to work on a lot of eccentric strengthening. Um, so I really like that about your your interview with her. Yeah, and, and it's to say that we don't want to do it all the time because that does put a lot of stress on the body as well. Um, you know, we try to incorporate it uh, every few weeks so that you know we're not constantly battering the body because all of those eccentric you know, it causes a lot of stress on the body as well. So, um, you know, just to let people know, it's not something you want to do week in and week out, um, incorporate it into your training, but be smart about how you do it and how frequently you do it. You know, listen to your body and the signs of your body. You're going to notice that your quads are going to be sore. Um, so take care of that body, make sure that you're not overstressing it. Um, you know, cause that's, that's what leads us down to the road to fatigue and eventually, you know, can lead to injury. So just be careful with how much you do it. Um, but um, and I will also, uh, include in the show notes, um, Miriam's, um, downhill video. Um, so thank you for that resource. Um, so, you know, we've kind of talked about some of the things, uh, that can potentially, you know, cause the IT band to, to flare up. Um, you know, let's get deeper into underlying issues. What are some of the really, you know, key components that can really cause the IT band, um, you know, to, to really get into trouble? Um, you know, what is there specific weaknesses in, in certain muscles um, or, you know, restrictions in, in certain you know, parts of the body due to uh, immobility or inflexibility? Yeah. So, um, you know, I always like to educate runners about the different planes that their body have to have strength in. Um, running for the most part is in a forward motion um, versus like if we're looking at soccer and some of the cutting sports. So the forward motion is called the sagittal plane. Um, and usually people are fairly strong in those planes. But also as we land, we have to be able to um, stabilize against the side to side plane. OK, that's called the frontal plane and also the rotational plane, which is called their transverse plane. Um, so those side to side muscles and those rotational muscles are really where the IT band um, really needs its strength from. So, you know, when we're looking at the hip and especially any asymmetries in the hip, it's really those things that we're looking with side to side strength. So examples of that would be um, even side plank endurance. That's one way you can simply test yourself at home um, is going into a side plank and lifting the top leg. And can you hold one side as long as the other side? Um, we're looking at 45 to maybe 60, 60 seconds of, of hold in a, in a really nice straight line in that side plank. Um, also rotationally, you know, can you handle forces rotating in and out? Um, and a good example, um, when we, when we talk about that is if people notice when they start to get tired, that their knees are starting to touch and, and come together a lot more. Um, obviously their knees aren't getting more flexible as they run that, that, um, that, uh, knee knocking is actually a display more of the hips becoming weak with rotation. Um, and so there's some exercises that we can do to help stabilize in the rotational plane. Um, and really, I really believe to to really conquer IT band issues, it's a it's a two part scenario, as is a lot of syndromes with running, a lot of pain syndromes, 
is that not only building the internal strength that you need um, and making sure side to side you have that endurance over and over again, but also looking at the mechanics of your running and making sure that not only when you're when you're just starting out and you're fresh, but also when you're fatigued, we're not going through excessive um, joint angles of motion. That's really what the IT band will start to become cranky with um, and increase what we call those strain rates where it starts to compress on that fatty tissue around the hip and knee. Um, so as we start to run and we, we start to become more tired and having more motion in our hips and our knees, um, and it's very hard to tell, you know, as a runner to have that kind of perception of yourself, um, of what your hips and knees are doing, especially as you get tired is very difficult. So I, it's having someone take a look and I think it's very helpful. There's some really great drills, um, that can help, um, kind of encompass that. And so that you can start to decrease those angles, um, when you start feeling your symptoms and really manage your symptoms well. Um, so I think it's a two part, really making sure you're strong side to side with those, those hip and core muscles. Uh, and then also making sure your your running mechanics um, is doesn't have excessive motion, especially when you get tired. Awesome. Um, yeah, you had mentioned the um, side plank and lifting the leg, and that's something I try to work with my athletes on. And a lot of them, you know, they they can't hold it, um, not even ten seconds, and so it, you know they realize their their lack of strength. And um, obviously, we want to work them up from there. But um, are there other exercises along the same avenue that we can do that would help them build that strength? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a plethora of exercises, I think. Uh, <laughs> one that is, like clamshells, for instance. Uh, um, yeah. So I think it's important when somebody is really weak. And the funny thing with athletes is, you know, when we talk about weakness, um, a lot of athletes aren't weak. Like they are, they're super strong in some muscle groups, um, you know, quads and, and you know, sometimes with hamstrings. It's, it's with the finer muscles, with the glutes. Um, and especially how they interact with the core, um, calf muscles. I know that sounds really strange, but calf muscles can be extremely weak and we, we rarely focus in on them. Um, so I think starting with something super simple um, that really isolates the motion. So when you're talking about clamshells, um, having external rotation to them, uh, that's a really nice way to kind of focus on it. Um, I really like frog bridges. Um, that's a nice way. Um, a frog bridge is when your feet are very close together, you're on your back and your knees are wide. So it almost looks like a bridge, but we change the, the foot positions that the, the feet are together and the knees are wide apart. And you, you also strengthen the glute max at the same time, which is the main tensioner for the IT band. Um, a nice perk of that um, is that at the same time, you're stretching your hip flexors. Um, so hip flexor dominance is something that can really start to overshadow um, your ability to fire your glutes. So again, we really don't find that, you know, we talk about weakness, athletes are weak people. Obviously, a lot of them aren't. Um, but when you start to have a lot of hip flexor tightness or dominance, it really can inhibit your ability to drive with your more powerful posterior muscles. Um, so I like the frog bridges a lot. I think those are great. Um, uh, a lot of the side ones, you know, the, either with, you know, a little bit of band or a little bit of, um, of um, TRX, uh, TRX uh, straps, things like that. Um, but again, there's a plethora and, you know, I, I just like to go towards uh, like just nice um, reference points. So like you always talk about the Jay to Sherry book, uh, Running Wired, there's a plethora of side exercises and rotational exercises. Um, but I think it's always important to start one with one that's very isolated, maybe on the floor, which we call non-weight bearing, and then doing one that's more functional and upright. Because obviously, the big thing with running um, is, you know, the best way to picture yourself is, is being like a pogo stick, okay? And we have to, every time we land, we have to absorb that shock and bounce up and forward. And so we really have to be able to sustain forces through the entire trunk, through the entire column. Um, so we don't buckle. So making sure that we do start to make these exercises more functional, keeping an upright trunk while we resist these forces side to side and in the rotational plane. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and you had mentioned um, Jay Sherry's book, Running Rewired. Um, he does have a hip circuit in there, um, which includes the frog bridges. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a, a YouTube video. He has a YouTube video mm -hmm. um, how to, how to do all of that. So um, I'll also put that in the show notes for anybody interested in seeing it. Um, I love putting the hip circuit into all my runners, um, you know, like once a week, just doing one round or two round, because it really does work on not only the strength of that, um, that pelvic region, the hip region, but the mobility as well. Um, I think it's a, a really good circuit of exercises. So um, I'll plug that in the show notes as well. Um, so thanks for mentioning him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's always nice to give someone, you know, play a go-to place. I mean, there's lots of go-to places, but, um, yeah. 
that's a really easy one. And another good point to make too is if people, especially it's usually one side, it's always one side that seems to have a little bit more of a problem, except if like you're in a race and both legs are just shot and, and you're going downhill and, and you start having it on both sides, which is, you know, which is normal sometimes, but um, is to do some of that banded work, like right before you go on your run. Um, just do some little glute activation exercises, right, you know, out of the car or while you're on the track and just try to fire it before you do your, your, your run that day. It's super helpful. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and once again, um, David Roche has a really good banded warm up. Um, I have a banded warm up on my YouTube site. Um, and I can, I can also post those as well. So the show notes are going to be pretty busy today, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had also mentioned that, the IT band is not something that we typically would stretch. The IT band doesn't get tight, but you know, there's muscles around it that can, um, are there anything specific that runners can do any stretches that you would suggest if, you know, the hip region is tight or, uh, the, you know, the quad itself, um, anything that you would say there that that could help. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm not over against trigger point work. Um, trigger point work is anything where you take, um, pressure and you can actually find a point. And I think it's super helpful, especially, um, in the glutes max. So if you kind of feel in the muscle in the posterior hip, or if you go into that TFL, which is that little hip flexor muscle on the side, um, just finding a point there, either with a ball or a foam roller and with laying with moderate pressure. So that's not severe pressure. It's not a nine out of 10 for 10 out of 10 being the worst pain, you know, you don't want to have that, you know, you don't need to do that, but really around maybe a four to a five out of 10 pressure and holding there for 90 to 120 seconds um, on one of those trigger points. Those are great places to work. Um, the lateral hamstring tends to get caught under the IT band, especially as it starts to ha has more strain. So that can be also a little bit um, entrapped under the, the IT band, the lateral quad also on the front side can get captured under there. Um, those are two places that get can be, get pretty sticky. Um, so you can also do a little bit of trigger point work there also. Um, as far as mobilization, though, I really like things like split lunges, um, where you're basically in a functional hip flexor stretch. The back leg is either on the floor, or if you want more of a stretch, the back leg is propped up on a step. And when you do your lunge, it's a straight down drop. It's not a lunge forward. It's where you drop your 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 body, your center of mass, so that um, the back knee goes straight down. And you're functionally going into a hip flexor stretch, and that does mobilize the IT band. Um, so it's I think it's a really nice way to kind of free that up a lot. Um, I think people feel a lot better when they start doing side planks with leg lifts. Um, I think it helps mobilize the IT band. Um, there's some palliative things. Um, some people do feel a lot better with cupping or foam rolling, and that's totally fine to do. There's no there's no problem with doing that. Um, I would just say be very careful about foam rolling anywhere near where you're having pain. So if you're having a lot of pain near the knee joint, don't compress further over the knee joint. Um, and the same thing for the for the hip joint. Um, so just, you know, cause you can actually flare up some of that inf inflammation that's already there. Um, taping, I think is super helpful. Um, there's a lot of great, um, rock taper. I mean, I use a lot of rock tape cause the, the adhesive is a lot better. Um, I find with my athletes, but you can do K tape or whatever you have, but, um, it is helpful. And, and there are some good studies that show palatively, it does feel a little bit better sometimes if you are, um, if you do tape your IT band, um, just pro provides a little bit of a fascial lift sometimes with that. It's not ever like, I think the complete answer to my fascial pain, but, um, it can definitely help a little bit, especially if you're already doing those things to, to, um, to alleviate it, like your strength. Um, ice, I don't think is ever a bad idea. We definitely know this can be an inflammatory condition. Um, so th I think all those are, are really nice things to do. Um, some people like cupping. I mean, it's just a, it's kind of a myriad of, of palliative ways that you can, you can look at your IT band, but I do like trigger point work of the muscles that are involved, um, with the IT band. I think that's nice. Um, and then the, the taping is, is nice too. Awesome. Uh, um, and just to be a little bit clear, um, when you are foam rolling, should you ever go directly onto the IT band, the side of your leg, or should you keep it on the muscle bellies, like the, the, you know, like I said, the lateral quad and, and lateral hamstring, or is it okay to go directly on your side? Cause I, I've seen, you know, people rolling directly on our side. Is that okay? Well, yeah, it's okay. As long as one, that's not the area of, um, direct pain. So I would say if and some people do have pain right in the mid portion of their AT band, if that's the case, I would not roll right over that area. Um, I probably would stay to the, to the, to the sides of that. 
Um, again, because we just know that's probably where your inflammation is set up a little bit. Um, and then also we're talking about moderate pressure, not a lot of pressure. So I think people definitely can put too much pressure into trigger points. A lot of times when I see people, they're already black and blue from what they've been doing at home, <laughs> either with their, their massage gun or their, their foam roller or, you know, the whole thing. So, um, I think, you know, that that's just too much pressure and can cause inflammation in itself. So um, I think staying away from those really those painful or inflamed areas with the foam rolling is important. Um, so. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, we, we keep going back to compression on these, you know, insertional regions mm -hmm. um, with, um, you know, with most uh, products out, on the market, there's always something that is going to claim that it's going to help whatever the injury may be. And, and in this case, like there's straps that claim to help the IT band, um, you know, and, and basically they kind of create a, a compression or pressure point on that, you know, that region where above the knee or I was below the knee where everything is kind of coming in. Um, is that ever an effective um, method for helping, or is that again creating more compression on a region that's already annoyed? Yeah, um, as far as IT band straps, um, anecdotally and in the research, I really haven't seen much on that. Um, I, I tell clients they can they can go try it if they like, but I really haven't had anyone say that's been a game changer for them. Um, and, and that makes sense to me a little bit. Um, the taping seems to be, I think, a lot more well received. Um, even, and it's, it's pretty easy nowadays for people to tape their, their IT band. Um, that's not, that's not too laborious, but yeah, I really haven't seen any, um, over the counter devices that have really been a, a game changer with that. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. okay. um, other things that, um, you know, uh, uh, over the span of time I've, I've kind of heard or, or, you know, thought about is, um, is obviously footwear, mm -hmm. um, you know, in this day and age, the, um, the category of true stability shoes is diminishing. Um, but, um, if a person is wearing a stability shoe, um, and let's say that they don't necessarily need the, you know, the stability that that shoe is offering. And it's, it's actually not allowing, not allowing the person to come to neutral. It's actually keeping them further out, if you will, um, and inhibiting their natural motion, can that in and of itself create problems within the IT band and kind of lock up the knee or overstretch the knee, if you will, because the, the you know, the foot is, is kind of uh, landing so laterally and kind of overstretching the side of the leg. Is that potential uh, for, for cause of the IT band pain? Yeah, um, definitely. And so a good way to think about a, a running shoe is it's basically just an interface between the ground and your foot. Um, so when we're talking about you know, some of the leading and, and very, very well-supported um, findings in the research, the leading causes of some of the surfaces, um, we're talking about a cambered road, you know, so a road that has a slant to it or a trail that has a slant to it, even the beach. Um, so if I have clients that are going to the beach, I really I really try to make sure that they know um, if they're going to run on the beach, if it's, if it's highly slanted, that might cause some problems. Um, so the shoe is the same. Um, and this usually is when we're starting to get into... Um, shoes that become a little bit stiffer and then they start to wedge with more um, inserts on the inside um, because they feel like they're, they're, they're buffering something. They don't really know what they're buffering, you know, uh, just trying, whether they're already trying to deal with knee pain and some other things. But if we start to, to build up that, that inside of the shoe, it can start to have people um, be thrown more onto the outside of their leg. Um, hip abductor weakness will throw people more into the outside of their leg. And so if you have, sometimes you put those two together, um, weakness on the outside of the leg, and then you're putting them on a slant. Yes, definitely. It can It can cause a, a recipe to, um, to have an irritated IT band. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, and just uh, to kind of complete that conversation, if you're wondering if you have too much stability in your shoe, some of the wear signs can kind of help you understand where your foot is, uh, you know, um, towing off, if you will. Um, I hate to use that term, but where you're coming off of the shoe, um, if you're wearing on the outside of the shoe. Now, a lot of people came into the run shop and they showed me their shoes and they're looking at the heel. And so if you're a heel striker and wearing on the outside of the shoe, that's just where you're landing. Where we're talking about is more towards the forefoot of the shoe. 
Um, and looking if you have extensive wear, especially if it's really sharp on the, where the pinky toe is, that's you know a good sign that you're coming off the outside of the shoe and potentially you have too much stability. Or if you're in a neutral shoe, you're just landing you know that far outside. We see it a lot with um, the maximum cushion shoes, especially for people that you know don't um, pronate enough. They underpronate, or you know sometimes it's called supination. Um, the, the, we'll see that that lateral side, that pinky toe side, gets crushed a lot more frequently. So if you look in a mirror and you're looking straight on in the mirror and your feet are tilting out, then it's probably a good time to replace the shoe or look at a different style of shoe to see if you can get a little bit more level. Um, but um, any other points on there that you wanna add or, or correct? <laughs> oh no, um, I think it's also important for people to know, um, cause we definitely have, have some, some runners that have IT band issues that when they have, um, there's different structures to your knees. So like if you're standing, you put your feet together. Um, if your knees are naturally bowed or fall, far apart, we call that varum. Um, and some people have knees that are pretty much straight up and down. And then if you put your feet together and your knees touch um, sharply inward, that's called valgus. Um, sometimes when people um, have a varum structure, so they have the the bowed structure, and obviously that's just that's just how they are. It's 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 just how they're built. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you start to couple that with um, a lot of arch support and then double it up with hip weakness, um, that can really also make a recipe for, for lateral knee pain or IT band pain. Um, and it doesn't mean it's not correctable at all. There's a lot of great things that we can do for people that have IT band issues that have that kind of bowing or, or tibial varum, or even our, in our older runners that have a little bit of breakdown of one of the knee joint compartments. Um, there's some there's some different ways that we can, we can do drills and, and help them run that will help decrease the load on the outside. Um, but I would say be particularly aware of if you do have that that bowed um, structure and you're starting to really go into a lot of medial wedging with your shoes, um, it can also put a lot of strain on the outside of the knee. Right on. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, any last points that we need to make? Caution? Give advice? Words of wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes. I mean, so the big thing with all of these, just know that um, if you are struggling, especially with IT band pain, it's usually not that hard to remedy. Um, it's not going to take that much time out of your day. Um, sometimes I, I think when we, we do these podcasts, everything sounds a little bit overwhelming, you know, all these exercises and things to look at. And, and a lot of times it's just one or two simple things that you can do during your week and integrate into your runs. Um, and what runners love, which I love to tell them is you don't have to necessarily quit running when you start having this. I mean, there's ways to modify your runs, even for a week or two that can really take down your symptoms while you build a little bit more of a base on what you're going to do with your, your strength program. Um, so it's, it's, it's can be fixed. Um, and it's a, it's one of those things that I think as a runner is, is good news to know that's what's causing your, your lateral knee pain. So, um, just know it's not, um, it's not too overwhelming and, uh, you know, can deal with it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Miriam. Uh, and just so, you know, people, if they have questions or want to reach out, um, what's the, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, I have a website, therunnersmechanic.com. Uh, it has all my information. You can book online, answers questions. It has my contact information, my email, runnersmechanic at gmail.com. Um, also, it has my cell on there. So, um, yeah, feel free to shoot me an email. Um, you can also ask a question on Facebook. Um, but I really, I love teaching this stuff. Thank you so much for having me on so so often. It's really it's really fun to get back to teaching a little bit. It's It's really nice. Thank you. I certainly appreciate all your knowledge and for sharing it with us. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thank you once again to Miriam for coming on and sharing her wealth of knowledge. I hope we can uh, we can all take something away from that that can help us in, in our running um, or just in life. And um, if you have questions for Miriam, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, her website and contact will be in the show notes, so you can uh, get to her and, and ask her questions, whether it be on the IT band or, or anything else that you're, uh, you're having a problem with. Again, all of her um, episodes that we've gone over, you know, the, the various injury and uh, lower extremity uh, episodes, they're going to be in the show notes. So if you want to take a listen to any of those and see if uh, any of those pertain to anything that you're, uh, you're going through right now, um, by all means, uh, I hope they help. 
And uh, this week here uh, is uh, is race week for me. I'm recording this uh, Tuesday, March 23rd, and March 27th is the Umstead 100 miler. Um, you know, they have done an amazing job. I just have to say, uh, as a race director, I am thoroughly impressed with the work that has gone into making this event happen. Uh, not only because of what we've gone through for COVID and them having to cancel last year, but you know, just the, the work that they've done to, um, to make everyone safe, to, uh, to help, um, appease the, you know, the park's wishes so that they can host the event and to, uh, to hopefully host it again in the future. Um, it's really is they, they have concerned themselves and, and gone overboard to uh, to make sure that um, they are being as safe for everyone involved, uh, which is great, you know. And and they've made a few concessions. Um, they've also kind of been able to um, increase our accessibility to not only um, crew and pacers, but um, you know, to to actually having um, the access to both. At at first, we were only going to be able to have one or the other, uh, so one person <laughs> for. Uh, um, for you know both duties, uh, so in other words, if I had a pacer, I could not have a crew. Um, so, uh, and vice versa, if I had a crew person, I could not have a pacer. So, uh, they have now opened that back up so that we can have uh, a person crewing and a person pacing at the same time. Uh, so that's uh, fantastic. I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm all set to that front. I've got two good friends, um, Nathan Fronts and Aaron Kolk, who are going to be helping me in this, in this event. I really can't wait to, uh, to get to the starting line. They're, uh, they're doing time trial starts. So every five seconds, they're going to start, uh, a wave of 25 people. Uh, we have two lines that will go simultaneously. Um, and they, they kind of did a, uh, um, a seating, if you will. So, um, the, uh, um, the faster runners will be in the first uh, wave. Um, I am number 14, so I will be on the seventh start. So about 35 seconds after the official start, I'll, uh, I'll get to go. Um, uh, you know, the, the race field is looking really strong. This is a, a race that has seen sub 14 hours for a hundred miles. Uh, so, you know, very fast, uh, individuals come out here, um, you know, top of the field. Number one seed is Jim Sweeney, who, uh, is, you know, an amazing fast runner in his own right. So should be an interesting race, uh, to see how it unfolds. Uh, I've got some athletes running. Um, so I wish the best to, uh, Bonnie Hatley and Pat Hartzell. Uh, those guys are, are toeing the line. This is their first 100-mile attempt for each of them. I'm very excited for, for both of them, um, as well as uh, some other friends that are running. Um, I should say congratulations to Michelle and Rick Gray uh, for their recent marriage. Um, Rick, I believe, is going for his 10th buckle, his 1,000th thousand, <laughs> mile buckle here at Umstead. So running Umstead for his 10th time, um, he gets a gold buckle if he finishes this time. I think that's, uh, that's correct. So congratulations to both of them. They will both be out there running. Um, excited to see those two. Um, just, uh, Michelle, uh, was formerly Michelle McClellan. I'm sure you've heard of her. She races all the time and does amazing, um, great people out of Tennessee. So good luck to the, both of them and, uh, to everyone racing. Um, even if it's not at Umstead, I, I hope everybody has tremendous races this weekend as, uh, races start to pick back up. I know my athletes, um, you know, we've got Georgia death race this weekend. Uh, gosh, there's, there's a ton of stuff going on. So, you know, good luck to all. I hope everybody has fun. Stay safe. Uh, it's really cool to see this going on again. Um, as I said, I'm super excited, you know, can't wait to get to the starting line. I've, I, I think I'm, you know, more fit aerobically than I have been in God years. So, you know, as long as I, um, you know, pace myself and, and, you know, consume my nutrition and, and stick to what my plan is and the heat doesn't get too bad. It's, it's now looking like it might get up to, uh, possibly 80 degrees, which obviously I'm not quite acclimated to yet, but, um, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, race day will, you know, that's why we find out, you know, excited for that. So, uh, you know, next week I will kind of do my follow-up, talk about how the race went. Um, I also have some really cool interviews coming up. Um, Francesca Conte, um, Francesca is a really good friend. Uh, I've known her. She, I basically cut my teeth on, uh, her and Gill's trail races, the bad to the bone series. Uh, Belmonte just, uh, happened. Um, Belmonte has a 50 K and 50 miler, uh, in the, uh, Shenandoah, uh, national forest. It's beautiful races up there. Uh, it's, 
you know, it's kind of where I got my, my trail running roots going back in, uh, you know, the early 2000, 2001, even, I think, uh, I was doing races up there. So I've known those guys for a long time. Uh, Franny and I are going to be discussing, um, mountain racing and specifically how to really train for mountain races, some ideas, uh, you know, uphill running, downhill running, um, pole usage. We'll get into all of that. So really looking forward to her conversation because she has um, some really awesome uh, race experience under her belt. So um, very cool. So I'll be talking to her next week. I think I'll probably release, um, you know, her podcast um, um, next week. So stay tuned for that. I'll also be interviewing Jessica Vandenbush, who is uh, kind of at the forefront, the leader, the uh, um, the mind behind Eat Clean and Run Dirty, uh, a new running publication that she is, uh, you know, uh, financing and publishing herself uh, with just really great ideals. You know, like we're all one. Let's let's all you know take care of one another and and be uh, as welcoming as we can. Um, I love her message, and uh, we're really just gonna have a conversation to kind of talk about how. We can be more inclusive to everyone um, and make our sport even uh, richer, even better. So looking forward to that conversation with Jessica. Um, that will probably release uh, in two weeks. And uh, I still have to record my conversation with my friend Scott. If you listen to the lap episode, I, I kind of said that his episode would be coming up. We had some uh, recording difficulties, couldn't get our technologies working. So uh, we, uh, we had to postpone that one so that we can uh, you know, take another time to record it. So uh, my conversation with Scott Sosha and Joe Quinlan, who are certified pedorthists, uh, you can find out what that means in that episode. Uh, that will be uh, you know a few weeks down the road. But um, really lining up some great guests. I'm excited about it. I want to thank all of you guys. Uh, Uh, For listening, I want to thank all of my guests. Uh, Just reached over 10,000 downloads. Um, So, you know, I'm really excited um, that, you know, this this podcast is getting out there uh, and hopefully helping runners. You know, that's the that's my point is just to kind of help um, and, you know, have guests on that can teach us things. Um, I love hearing stories, inspirational stories. They're wonderful. But I feel like that, you know, that genre of podcast is uh, is kind of um, uh, overplayed. <laughs> there's so many podcasts doing that. Uh, not that that you know, there's not wonderful people, but I'd like to learn from those wonderful people and hear more about how they do what they do and kind of get inside of of their training, their mental attitudes, their fortitude. Um, you know, and um, it's, I think that's a uh, that that can help us because um, yeah, we need the inspiration, we need the motivation. I, I yeah, I'm not saying that doesn't have its worth. Um, believe me, I, I I appreciate those those podcasts and listen to them myself, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to make some uh, some information available that's digestible to you. Um, you know, I, I, it's, I, I can't talk over my head because, uh, you know, I, I know like most of you, um, you know, we, we get start and talk about, um, you know, the real deep dive into the science and I just kind of glaze over. So <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm trying to make it so that it's uh, it's for, you know, the common folk like like us, the common runners that, you know, we uh, we just want to understand more of, of how we can do things better. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. Um, I, like I said, I sincerely appreciate all of you that have subscribed, um, that have left a review. Um, again, all of the people that have contributed to this podcast and becoming guests, uh, making suggestions. I had some great suggestions come in the other day from, uh, Ryan Banks, um, who is running Georgia death race this weekend, him and John Griffith, Griffin, they're, they're two of my athletes. So I wish them well, um, some really good insights into, uh, improving the podcast. So I appreciate that. If you guys have anything you want to add, say, suggest, um, please feel free. Uh, drop me a line. My email is runningpains at gmail.com. There is a contact form on my uh, my website, mrrunningpains.com. Um, so you can check that out. All of my socials and Strava, all that information is in the show notes. So if you want to follow along or leave me a message through those avenues, please feel free to do so. Um, I am open ears and, uh, sincerely, I appreciate, you know, the positive and negative feedback. I want to make sure that I'm doing everyone a service and, uh, and, and doing the best job that I can, um, with this weekly podcast, uh, it's coming to you every week, um, launches Thursday mornings, 6 a.m. Eastern. And, uh, you know, like I said, week after week, I just hope to keep turning out some, some useful content. Um, uh, my newsletter will be coming out soon. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, uh, jump on my website again, mrrunningpains.com. And, uh, there is a subscribe button on the homepage. Uh, the, um, old archived, uh, newsletters and podcasts are also archived, um, on the, uh, on the, on the website, you just go to the connect page. So in the drop down menu, the top left hand corner, 
uh, click the three lines and it will drop down menu and you will see the connect page and on the connect page. Um, that's also a place where you can contact me, subscribe to the newsletter, but also click on the uh, newsletter link or the podcast link and see all my previous, um, podcasts and newsletters. So, um, you know, it's all I got for this week. I, I really can't wait to line up this Saturday and, um, I can't wait to to tell the tale. <laughs> Either way it goes, right? Uh, positive or negative, I'm, I'm hoping for a great day. But you know, whatever it is, you know, I'm going to be optimistic and and say it's going to be a great day and just have fun out on the trail and and be appreciative for the fact that I'm out there um, running on some of the trails that uh you know that I actually really kind of uh, grew up training on when running at NC State. It's uh it's cool to be going back home uh, in that regard. So um, thank you guys once again. I can't wait to, to talk to you next time. I hope you enjoyed episode 58 with Miriam Saloom. Uh, Zarin Saft, signing out till next week. Keep running. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a 100-mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? Don't ask me